if you've ever seen the movie Groundhog Day, okay, if you feel that way this morning, it's because last week we, we started on a sermon. We only got through the introduction. I'm just, I mean, and I realized I was never going to make it, and, and I also realized God was doing something. It, it wasn't my sermon so much as it was God, and so uh, this morning we're going we're gonna to fly through the introduction just to remind you where we're at, and then we'll get into the, the meat of the matter, but we're, uh, we're in a series, and we're, we're, we're asking the question, what does God think? And uh, there are a lot of different answers in the world today. I mean, you hear them. The world has answers. Different flavors of the church and streams of the church has answers. And we all are trying to speak for God. But here's the reality of it. If we want to know what God thinks, all we have to do is look at Jesus. I want you to think about that for a minute. There was confusion in the Old Testament about what God said. I mean, when you get to Jesus' time, you've got the Pharisees, you've got the Sadducees, you've got the lawyers, the scribes, you've got the high priests. Now, some of those were, were connected with each other, but still, they, they all had a different view of what God had to say. And Jesus stood in their midst, and they didn't even recognize Jesus. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to look at what God has to say. We've looked at some some issues uh, over the last few weeks. And last week, we, we tried to look at this issue. We just never got to what Jesus, uh, we never got to Jesus on it. So we did get to Jesus, but we didn't get to what he thinks about it so much. We're going to look at sickness and disease and infirmity. There's a, there's a false belief system that, that just permeates the church of today. And, and I mentioned last week, the roots go back to the very beginning almost. I mean, if you don't think so, uh, just look at the book of Job. Job is the is probably the oldest book in the Old Testament uh, as far as uh, when it was written. Job was a contemporary of Abraham, and so the the language in in the in the in the text of Abraham and uh, and what he did in the in the text of Job uh, are, are are very similar. And and what what happened is this this belief this false belief found its way into the Old Testament saints. And then it found its way into, the, into that time when Jesus was there. And Jesus confronted it, but after about three centuries, it even found its way into the church. And the church uh, changed her way of thinking. She went from a, a warfare worldview, which means that, that the, the church was at war with the enemy, at war with Satan, to what is called and what's seen as is, it's called the blueprint worldview. In other words, God, everything in, life, everything in life happens due to the predetermined will of God. We went from warfare to, you know what, que sera, sera. Whatever happens, happens, and it happens because God ordained it. Now, there's a place in there where that is a lot better than this way or this way. And that is God is sovereign, okay? He is, he is sovereign. Scripture tells us that He is sovereign over and over and over. But sovereign does not mean that God causes everything, okay? God does not send everything that happens. We can't, in other words, we can't blame God for everything. I mentioned last week that when we have hurricanes and when we have... Uh, 
destructive thunderstorms and we have tornadoes and, and we have hailstorms and we have floods, what, what do the insurance companies call those? Acts of God. They're not acts of God. If you, don't, if you, if you think they are, then read the first couple of chapters of, of Job. God didn't send the tornado that blew Job's children's house down and killed them all. Satan did. So Satan has access, at least some access to weather, okay? But everything bad that happens does not come from God, all right? And we're going we're gonna to look at, at, at some of this this morning, especially when it comes to sickness and disease and infirmity. But that mindset, that belief then, that belief that everything comes from God kind of, it never just stops there. It always creates and wrecks more havoc. And that's what it did uh, when it comes to what God thinks about sickness and disease and infirmity. Like I said last week, most Christians, they don't believe God will heal them. Okay, Now they may say they do. They may say something like, well, God heals. Okay? But either God heals or He doesn't heal, okay? Either He is healing or He used to heal, but He doesn't do it anymore unless He chooses to. You see how convoluted and confusing that is? Either God does or He doesn't, all right? I mean, every place else God saves, right? Okay. We don't blame Him when somebody doesn't get saved, do we? We just share the gospel again, and we pray, and we share the gospel again, and we pray. And so what happens is there's a false idea that, 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 that developed out of this that, you know, that, that God heals sometimes. And there was a belief in the Middle Ages that if you were holy enough and if you were good enough, God would heal you. Or if you were holy enough and, and your lifestyle was such that everyone knew you loved Jesus, maybe you could exercise that gift. But it only, it only went to a few people. It didn't go to everybody. Like Scripture talks about in, in the book of 1 Corinthians where God gives gifts sovereignly to whom He will. It didn't just stop there, though. There was another false idea that arose, and that is, is that sickness and disease and infirmity are the results of personal sin. In other words, you're sick because you sinned. Okay? You may think, I don't know about that one. Well, listen, you visit enough people who are sick, and they'll ask you that question. Okay, sooner or later, am I, am I, I'm suffering this because of something I did. I'm paying for something. Listen, when Jesus Christ saved you, what he did on the cross was applied to your life. You remember what he said the next to the last, not the last thing, but the next to the last thing he said before he, he gave up his spirit. The last thing he says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. But before he said that, what did he say? It is finished. The debt is paid in full. Either he paid it or he didn't pay it. If you and I could pay for it by suffering in sickness, Jesus wasted his trip here. He wasted his life on the cross. Y'all understand where I'm coming from? This is what Scripture says, that we couldn't pay it. We didn't, we didn't have a way to do it. No matter how hard we tried, we could not do it. Why? Because we were born with a sin nature. We were born dead. 
So there's nothing that a dead person can do to make themselves alive. And so this, this idea developed that, that sickness is a result of personal sin. If you don't think that's old, then that's not an old uh, uh, concept, read the book of Job. That's what both Job's friends said. Job, the reason this is all happening to you because there's got to be some kind of sin in your life. And over and over and over, Job says, no, I haven't sinned. I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm righteous. God has made me righteous. I've, I've, I've lived according to what God's shown me. And so the whole book is, is that argument back and forth, back and forth. And if we don't have the first two chapters of Job, we're just like Job's friends. All right, we don't know why Job is suffering. We don't have an idea. And so this, this, this idea that, um, that sickness and disease and infirmity are, are results of personal sin and that they're the judgments of God on sinners has, has also contributed to another belief. And that belief is that sometimes God sends sickness upon His children to make them better Christians. Now, some of you are going, I can't believe that. Well, listen, there's a lot of people that believe that, and they'll tell you so. Okay? You know, when I, when I had this disease, I learned to trust Jesus. Listen, I'm not saying God can't use sickness. I'm saying God didn't send it. All right? He can use anything. He chooses to use. Romans chapter 8 says, All things work together for the good of those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. So He can use all kinds of things. But he doesn't send them. There's a big difference. He doesn't cause them. You didn't get sick because God sent this to, to, to stop you in your tracks and make you better. God doesn't use evil. And God doesn't use wickedness. Okay? He doesn't. He doesn't. God is good. Scripture says he is holy and he is righteous. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at, at those beliefs and we're going to see what Jesus thought about it. It's interesting to me that um, if God wants to save everybody, which I believe Scripture says that would be what He would like to do, but not everybody will be saved because we make choices, Okay? Don't you think it, it makes sense that God would like to heal everybody as well? Salvation is the healing of the spirit and the soul and the body. But we have become fixated on simply the soul. I mean, I mean the spirit. We've forgotten about the mind and the will and the emotions. That's what sanctification is, by the way. Sanctification is the, is the healing of our mind and our will and our, our thoughts and, and our beliefs. And ultimately, God's going to give us a new body, right? Salvation will be complete. But, but what I'm trying to say this morning is if God has enough power to save us spiritually speaking, does He not have enough power to save us physically? Okay, some of you believe and, and some of you are not real sure. Okay, that's okay. Because we are generations of being taught this garbage. Okay? Generations. 
And we're going to look at some of that this morning. But we believe, it's, it's, it's interesting to me, we believe that, that the death of Jesus on the cross can save us from eternal judgment. It can save us from eternity in hell, but yet we don't have, believe He has enough power to heal a temporal sickness in our life. That, for me, is not logical. Okay, That doesn't make sense to me. I believe that the salvation Jesus purchased on the cross was purchased in totality. Spirit, soul, and body. Everything, because we, we were sinners in spirit, soul, and body. There was not a part of us that was not dead in our trespasses and our sin. Every part of us was. And when He died on that cross, when He gave His blood and His body for us, He purchased salvation, which means redemption of sin, deliverance from bondage, and healing of the body. Those are the three meanings that are contained in the word sozo, in the word salvation, where we get our word salvation from. Listen, the salvation that Jesus purchased was fully complete. Now listen, I I can hear some of you thinking, yeah, but what about so-and-so? What about so-and-so? What about so-and-so? What about this we prayed for and it didn't happen? I don't know. All right? That's our experience. Okay? I'm not going to preach my experience because my experience will not get any of you encouraged. If I preached what I felt this morning, this place would be hopeless, all right? I came here with a cloud, all right? I mean, I'm just being honest with you. The cloud that I was supposed to be in last Sunday, it's here this Sunday, all right? After my trip to Mexico, I'm usually fogged out. I wasn't last. I'm fogged out this week, okay? And I'm fighting to to get away from what I've experienced to preach what God's Word says. Either I believe truth or I believe my experience. Okay? I'm going to use truth because I'm going, to, I'm going to preach till my experience gets up there at the level of what God's Word says. All right? That, that's where I'm at. Now, I'm not there yet. But I truly believe God doesn't just heal, that God is healing. That is who He is. And we're going to look at how Jesus literally demonstrated that. So let's find out what God thinks about sickness and disease and infirmity. And let's just look at, let's just look at Jesus a little bit. One of the things, if, if you, were, you were not a believer and you picked up a Bible for the first time and you begin to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it would become very apparent to you that Jesus healed sickness. And Jesus dealt with disease, and he dealt with infirmity, and he did it, if, if I kind of understand Scripture, it was an everyday thing for three and a half years. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying he dealt with crowds every day, but most days he did, because Scripture seems to indicate that whenever he tried to, to, to draw away and to rest, they followed him. They were desperate. And so it's kind of obvious that Jesus, wouldn't you say, had a rather large healing ministry. Okay? So if you happen to believe the garbage that I've mentioned before, that, that, that 
Sickness is the result of our own sinfulness, that God sends sickness because we are sinners, or God sends sickness to make us better, then we have a major theological problem between the Son of God and God the Father. Do do y'all see that? God the Son is working, if that's true, and I don't think it is, but if it's true, God the Son is working in direct opposition to God the Father by healing the sick and the diseased and the infirm. If sickness is a judgment on sin, if God sends sickness to make us better people, then what is Jesus doing? He's fighting against the sovereignty of God by our own definition of what sin is. It's disobeying God. Yeah, here's what Jesus said. In John chapter 5, verse 19, he says, Truly, truly, if you've got a King James, it's amen, amen. Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself unless it's something He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. Again, in John eight twenty-eight, he says this, I do nothing on my own initiative. But I speak these things as the Father taught me. So just if we take Jesus' word as truth. Now, Jesus is God, right? God cannot lie, right? So when Jesus speaks, He speaks truth, right? Okay, then if we take the words that Jesus has said and, and, and we look, then the Father and the Son are on the same page in everything they do, especially when it comes to healings of disease and, and disease, I mean sickness and infirmity. Then we have to consider something. Healing must be the will of God. I know some of you are going, okay, now where are you trying to, where are you trying to, to, to move me, what corner are you trying to trap me in? I'm not trying to trap you in a corner. I'm just sharing with you what I think the Word of God clearly teaches. Listen, I've been taught all the other stuff, all right? I, 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 I drank the Kool-Aid for a while, all right? And it still poisons my system. I'm, I'm arguing against myself even as I share truth with you because it's not what I was taught. How can that be? I hear all those questions. I had some friends that say, Nelson, if you believe that, why don't you go to the hospital and clear it out? Well, God's not ever told me to do that. All right, He hasn't. And I know what spirit that is, all right? It's the spirit of stupid. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Jesus went to a hospital, and He didn't clear it out. He healed one man. One. Just one. There were tons of people lying around the pool of Bethesda. They, they, they had heard that when this angel stirs the water up, if you can be first in the pool. Just envision that. Envision that. Just envision it for a minute. Desperate, dying people. Shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow. They're, they're everywhere. And the angel shows up. The water starts to move. What do you think it looked like? Chaos. You got dying people. They're punching each other, fighting each other, kicking, screaming, yelling, biting, whatever it takes. First one in gets 
healed. I'm not sure that's God. You ever thought about that? God's not the author of confusion. And buddy, that's not orderly. You say, Nelson, how do you know? Because I've been where they were giving out stuff that continued life and people will do whatever's necessary to be the first one in line to make sure they get what they need. Okay, survival is one of those things that is built into us. Very few people will stand back and go, you go ahead of me, you go ahead of me, you go ahead of me. No, sir. Grown men will elbow people out of the way to be the first. I've seen it happen. And so what happens is, is Jesus says that, you know, I do what God says to do. I hear what God says for me to do. I see where God's working. And he saw God working on one crippled man who'd been there for a while because he couldn't get to the water first. In essence, he's never going to get to the water first. And he asked the man, he says, what do you want? Well, it seems sort of obvious what he wants, but really it wasn't. If he knew he couldn't get to the water and he was never going to get to the water, why is he still there? Y'all ever thought about that? His, his sickness, his disease, his, his infirmity had become who he is. That was his life. That's what he knew. He didn't know anything else. And Jesus heals him. And he doesn't use the pool to do it with. He just touches him, speaks to him. I think about blind Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is, is a beggar. He has a, he has a cloak that was given to him by the, by the, uh, by the people at the temple that, that defined him as a legal, genuine, uh, blind man who had the right to, 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 to beg, basically. He, he wasn't a shyster. He, he wasn't one of these guys that stands at the, at the corner of the street with a sign that says we'll work for food but won't work for food. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Now, I'm not saying everybody that's out there, don't, don't, don't hear me say that, but a lot of them are. They're there to get a dollar. That's all they want, some money. I'll never forget watching a special uh, on TV. They went undercover, and uh, there there's was a school in New York that taught how to do that. And they were living, some of them were living on six-figure incomes. All right, but not everybody who does that is 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 doing that. There are genuine people out there that need help. We have to listen to God. Okay? We have to listen to God. But Jesus is walking along. Bartimaeus hears that Jesus is coming. He begins to scream, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Everybody around him is going, Hush, man, shut up, shut up, shut up. Son of David, have mercy on him. And Jesus stops. He says, Bring him to me. They laid Bartimaeus over there. What do you want? I want my sight. Jesus healed him. Jesus healed him. There was a crowd of people that were messed up, that needed help following Jesus, and Jesus healed Bartimaeus. Why? Because God was healing Bartimaeus that day. Otherwise, I don't know. All right? But what I do know is that Jesus... The Son of God was not working against the, the, the Father God. 
They were working in unison. They are on the same page in everything they do, especially when it comes to sickness and, 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 and disease and infirmity. Therefore, healing has to be the will of God or Jesus would not have done it. All right? I, I, I know some of the arguments. Well, Jesus did that to declare who he was, to demonstrate that he was the Son of God. Okay. Once or twice... But when you heal a deaf person that's never heard, or you give eyesight back to somebody who has no eyeballs, not many people are going to argue that, except unless you're a Pharisee or a Sadducee. And Jesus does this every day for three and a half years. Listen, sickness is not the result of God's judgment on sin, or Jesus would not have healed people. Y'all realize that? Because if he does, he's working in opposition to the judgment. He's showing mercy where the Father has chosen to, 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 to met out justice. And yet, Jesus heals them. Now, there are some people where Jesus says, don't sin anymore. There are some that he says, you know what, your sins are forgiven. But there are tons of people where he never says anything like that. Get up and walk. What do you see? Give them some bread. Give them something to eat. So sickness is not the result of God's judgment or sin, or, or Jesus wouldn't have healed it. God doesn't cause every sickness, or Jesus would not have healed it. If sickness is the will of God, then Jesus would not have healed sickness. There's no sickness. Here, here's one of the, the main things that... that helps me to drive a stake in. There is no sickness, disease, or infirmity in heaven. Now, how do you know that? Because I know what Scripture says. And Jesus taught His disciples to pray what? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Scripture says in, 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 in the book of the Revelation, there's not going to be any tears. There's not going to be any sadness. There's going to be, there's going to be fruit for healing uh, continually. So there's not going to be any sickness in heaven. The problem's not between Jesus and the Father. The problem is with us getting rid of our unbelief and our faithless systems which are based on lack of personal experience and bad biblical interpretation. That's the bottom line. A lot of the theological systems that are in place try to explain God. Okay, There's nothing wrong with, with theology, but when we try to explain God from our perspective based on our experience, it always comes up short. God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so my thoughts and my ways are above yours. You know what? Until you come to, gr to, 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 to grasp that verse and, and say, okay, God, you're right, you're going to struggle with questions, questions, and questions. And what happens is those questions, they don't drive us to answers most of the time. They drive us to unbelief. God's not as good as He acts. 
Now, I can smile and sit in the pew and, and praise God and, and share, but deep inside, I can, I can feel that way. God never answers my prayer. He's not as good as He says He is. And folks, that's a lie. That's a lie. So let's, let's just deal with where some of these false beliefs came from. Uh, there, there's this belief that God is somehow to blame or the ultimate source of sickness, disease, and infirmity. Th- this is what Peter preached when he went to visit Cornelius. Cornelius was a Roman centurion. He was, he was a, a, a man who was in search of God. A scripture would call him a God-fearer. He was a Gentile that was following God to the best of his ability. And this is what, this is what he declared that Jesus taught them. He says this in Acts 10.38. He says, You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went out about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Now, if we do, I'm not going to spend any, a great deal of time here, but I want you just to see two things, three things. God anointed him with power. Of the, with the Holy Spirit, okay? Are we anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit? That was a pathetic yes. Yes or no? Do you believe it? Okay, why are we anointed? Because He lives in us. God poured Him out on us and into us. So we are filled with the Holy Spirit, all right? Now, it says that He went about doing good. If He went about doing good, then He's good, Right? Okay, we're getting better. And then it says this, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So every person Jesus healed was oppressed by the devil, right? They either were or they weren't, all right? You say, but, 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 there's nobody in this, this, this verse here. It says healing all, and, that's a continual word, but is a conjunction that wants to, Cause a contrast. There's no contrast in here. He's anointed by the Holy Spirit and with power. And he's going about doing good. And he's healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So every person he healed in three and a half years were oppressed by the devil. It's a good bet, if I were a betting man, that that's everybody. All right? I mean, I'm just... I'm going to bet on percentages. Everybody Jesus healed were oppressed by the devil. So everybody I'm going to pray for are oppressed by the devil in some way. Amen? Okay, it's getting better, but I'm still making my case. Okay, I understand. I know y'all have been led into places before. I'm not trying to lead you anywhere. I'm just trying to show you what Scripture says. Okay, here we come to another. Jesus, Jesus meets a lady, and she comes to him. On the Sabbath day. And, and Scripture says that she has been bent over double. And by the way, that's where I would like to be, is just about right here, because that's where I feel like I am this morning. But she was bent over double. She couldn't straighten up. She couldn't, she couldn't see Jesus in the face because she was bent. And she comes to Him. She's been bent that way for 18 years. 18 years. Three days is a long, long time. Eighteen years. And, 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 and the Pharisees, they're all watching him because they know what he's going to do. And they hate it. 
because he's breaking their little rules. All right? They're breaking what they were interpreting God meant by rest. And Jesus confronts them in another place, and he says, Listen, if your donkey falls in a well, won't you get him out? You won't wait till Monday with you. You'll get him out today, won't you? How much more so? A child of God. Listen to what Luke says in Luke 13, 16. He confronts them, and he says this, And this woman... A daughter of Abraham as she is. In other words, this woman who is a member of the covenant, she belongs to the real Israel. All right? The real Israel. The ones that are are anticipating the return of the Messiah. The ones who are obeying God. The ones for whom all the promises are in in order and, and, and are enacted. She says, this daughter of Abraham as she is. Listen to what he says. Whom Satan has bound for 18 years. Now it doesn't say this woman was oppressed, depressed possessed it doesn't say any of those words okay it just says she's bound somehow the the enemy had the power to bind her and then he asked this question should she not have been released from this bond on the sabbath day shouldn't i release her shouldn't i let her go i've got the keys shouldn't i use the keys i have and in verse 13, 10, he says, and there was a woman who for 18 years had had a sickness. And it tells us what happened. Caused by a spirit. And she was bent double and could not straighten up at all. Listen, I'm not saying every sickness, every disease, every infirmity is caused by a spirit. I don't know. But I know a lot of them are. All right? I know that's the handiwork of the devil. All right? The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I'm going to talk about this verse a little bit more in a minute. And, and that's what sickness and disease and infirmity does. It kills, it steals, it destroys. You don't think so? Talk to somebody who's been sick. Talk to somebody who's gone through chemotherapy. Talk to somebody who's gone through radiation. Talk to somebody who's had an amputation. Talk to somebody that can no longer walk, that has to depend on other people to take care of them. Talk to somebody with ALS or or some other disease that robs you of your ability to walk and to talk and to move your muscles. Talk to them. It's not making them better people. It's killing them. Listen, if you say, well, Nelson, what about the Old Testament? Well, go back to the book of Job and read carefully chapters 1 and 2 because everything that happens after that, that happens in chapter 2 is the result of Satan touching Job. Yes, he has. Well, what about his God giving permission? Listen, I'm not God. But you know what God already knew? He knew what was going to happen in the end of Job. He already knew that Job would not curse God. He was a righteous man. He knew where Job's faith was. He just wanted to rub Satan's nose in it a little bit. All right? Listen, God is using us, folks, to grind not just his nose, but his head. 
in the dirt. That's what Scripture teaches from beginning to end, that there is going to come a day when his knee will bow and his tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But until that day, He's using us and our infirmities and our sickness and our weaknesses to show how good God is, to dispute the lie that Satan has spread. And so it, it wasn't God. But that's what the early church, the early church didn't teach that. This is what they taught. They taught that, that it was the enemy that was the cause of these things, and that through the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, that the power of death, which was held by the evil one, was defeated. So that, that if you followed the way of Jesus, that people could be saved from both sinful living and from physiological and psychological and physical sickness. You, you, could, you could find healing, that God would, would take away the bondage of, of, the, of the mind, that He would clear away the mind. Over and over and over you see Jesus setting people, people free from demonization. That's bondage of the mind. That's sickness of the mind. And sometimes it's even sickness in the body. And for the first 700 years of the church, the atonement was accepted as the, a victory over the spiritual forces of darkness. There was a defeat of Satan and his angels on the cross. And if it wasn't enough at the cross, when Jesus got up out of the grave, the exclamation point was put on it. They were crushed. They were defeated. Scripture says that when Jesus arose, He led captive the cat. He left a host of captives, and He made a parade and a display of them. He shook them off of Him, and they fell in line behind them. And He went before the Father, just like a Roman general would do after he had conquered a nation. And the and the, and the King of Kings put his foot. That's what would happen with a Roman Caesar. He would put his foot on the neck of that defeated king. What does Roman tell us, Romans tell us? That one of these days, we are going to put our feet on his neck. He's defeated, folks. He's defeated. And for the first 700 years or so, the church believed that. Healing was rescuing people from the domination of the enemy. There was a, it was a natural function that every person in the church who knew Jesus Christ was capable of. Therefore, listen, God is not the source of sickness. He's not the source of disease. He's not the source of infirmity, or Jesus wouldn't have healed it. And, and listen, we have a biblical account over and over and over that everyone who came to Jesus... He healed. Show me one person who came and asked for it that Jesus rejected. It's not there. So what does the, the healing ministry of Jesus teach us about the heart and the character of God? First, it tells us that God really is good. Good. He is good beyond what we can imagine. Yeah, but. No, there ain't any yeah, buts here. God is good. And He loves us. Yeah, but no, he loves us. Scripture says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. He sent him to die for every person who has ever been born. Every person. 
regardless of where they had any concern about God, ignored God, or had never heard of God. He loved us that much. And listen, He desires to pour out His goodness on us. He desires to pour out His grace on us. And He he desires to touch us when we are sick. He desires to, to touch us when we're broken. He desires to touch us when we're in bondage. He cares about people. And He cares about, listen, this is what blows my mind. He cares about the saved and the unsaved. There's no differentiation between them and between His goodness and His love. Jesus healed to demonstrate the love of God and the goodness of God. He cared because the Father cared. There's, there's, a, there's a, 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 a description that is, is used over and over in the Gospels. And it talks about Jesus felt compassion. He's characterized as compassionate. The root meaning of that word, Compassion means to suffer together. God's compassionate. In other words, when you and I suffer, God suffers. He feels our pain. When Jesus took on flesh, and, and, and I, don't, I don't know if you grasp this or not, when He took on flesh, He didn't just put on like a coat. It became a part of who He is for eternity. Jesus got tired, didn't he? Jesus got hungry. He got thirsty. Well, how do you know that? Because he asked a woman at a well for, for something to drink. It says several times that Jesus was tired and that, he, that they were hungry and they needed to eat. Jesus was exhausted from time to time. How do you know that? Because he falls asleep on a boat. Now listen, I've been on a boat before, several of them. I don't see how you are, I don't see how you sleep on a boat. Okay, you may can do it. I all I do on a boat is get sick. All right, I'm just being honest. But Jesus went right to sleep, and there's a storm, and that boat was tossing and turning, and he's cutting Z's over there. Why? Because he is physically exhausted. Jesus understands what it's like. When he's confronted by the death of Lazarus, when Mary and, and Martha confront him and he, he sees what it's doing to them, the Scripture says it uses a word in the Greek which means he, he, he was angry. He snorted like a war horse. That's what it means, literally. He, he, was, he, was, he felt it deep in his spirit. So Jesus knows what we feel like. Why? Because he has flesh like we have. He has a nature without the sin nature like we have. He understands intimately. That's why He can be our high priest. If you don't believe that, read the book of Hebrews. He is a, a faithful high priest. Listen, God really does love us. And when we suffer, He suffers. So God loves to heal. And Jesus loved to heal. The healing ministry of Jesus is a clear declaration of God's love for human beings. Listen, I know some people, and I've heard this said uh, by people, and I understand what they're saying. They would say, well, you know what? This sickness brought me to places with Jesus I would never have gotten to. I understand that, okay? I understand that. Uh, testing and trial very often reveal depths of faith, and depths of trust 
that we probably wouldn't ever find. But God did not send them for that purpose. In fact, God did not send them. Okay? Sickness, disease, and infirmity have no value. All right? Other than they destroy and they kill. That's it. How many of you have, have battled cancer in your life? Several. Okay? What would have happened had you not gone for treatment? You would have died. How many of you have had another life-threatening disease? How many of you have had an appendix rupture? Or the appendix is... There's several. How many of you have had something that it was important that you get it taken care of right then? Okay, a, crease, a kink in your colon, something like that. Those things kill you. And they kill you quickly. Listen. Their source is not God. He doesn't send that. Their source is Satan. Jesus was hostile against everything that made people sick. He rebuked the dark forces of demonization that caused mental illness and physical illness. This is what John tells us in 1 John 3, 8. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And Jesus clearly says this in John 10, 10. The thief comes only. There is no other reason. This is it. This is why he works among us. To kill, to steal, to kill and destroy. Guess what? If he can't kill and destroy, he'll steal. If he can't steal and destroy, he'll kill. And if he can't steal and kill, he'll destroy. And guess what? All three of those things take place if he gets to do one of those things. But Jesus says, I came that they might have life. Yeah, preacher, but that's spiritual life. No, it is, but it also, it says, and might have it abundantly. He's talking about not in the here, I mean, the, the far and beyond a cloud in, in heaven. He's talking about right now. That they would have life. 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 Abundantly. Listen, the Christian attitude that, that, that glories in sickness as a means of becoming more like Christ, and they call it suffering, is at odds with the Jesus of the New Testament. Okay? Like I said, God can cause anything, but He does not send it to make you and me a better Christian. People will call a sickness suffering for Jesus. You ever heard that? That's not biblical, folks. The only suffering the New Testament talks about that's like Jesus, take up your cross and follow me, is the suffering for the the gospel of Jesus Christ, for living the gospel, thinking the gospel, acting out the gospel, telling other people about gospel. It's persecution. It's not the marriage I'm in. It's not... The, the, the physical issues I struggle with, that's, that's not the gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus can change those things, but that's not the suffering that Jesus talks about. But that kind of thinking developed in the Middle Ages, and it, and it de- developed during the Reformation. In the 13th century, if you were sick, you were kept away from doctors. Now, let's be honest. The doctors in that time were not very good. But they were the only hope that some people had. 
There were certain things they could do. There were a lot of things they couldn't do. But if you were sick, you were kept away from them. And you were kept away from them until a priest came to visit you, and you confessed your sins, and that priest absolved you and gave you forgiveness of those sins. And why? Because they believed that sickness was the result of what? Sin. So therefore, it must be God's will for human beings to be sick if they sinned. And therefore, it must be the will of God. And so what happened is sickness went from being a tool of the devil to sickness became a weapon of an angry God and who reaches out when people overstep their boundaries. Boom! I'll just send cancer on that one. That'll, that'll show them. Now, you, some of you are going... Listen, what if I did something like that to my child? That'd take my kids away from me. That'd put me in jail. God doesn't do that. Folks, you see how silly it is to think that way? Sickness became a weapon that God used when we got out of bounds. And in line with that way of thinking is the idea that somehow when you suffer from that sickness... Uh, or that disease, or that infirmity, that it somehow purifies a person and makes them more like Jesus. Like I said, Jesus suffered, but He didn't suffer with sickness, disease, and infirmity. He suffered because He brought the message of the kingdom. And it did not, it was not, what what the religious world wanted. It clashed with the kingdom of darkness. But that sounds really biblical. I'm just suffering for Jesus. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. I visited, you say, Nelson, how do you hear all this? I visited hospitals once a week for 13 years. Once a week. I'm not talking about a hospital or two. I'm talking about an average of six or seven. And sometimes 15 and 16 people. Okay? So I've talked to a lot of people in the hospital. I've heard a lot of things. Well, I'm just I'm suffering for Jesus, Pastor. Pray for me. What are you suffering for? Well, I'm sick. It's my cross to bear. Well, okay. I don't, I don't think that's true, but it sounds good, though. Take up your cross and follow me. Like I said, the only problem with that is Jesus wasn't suffering persecution for being sick. He was suffering persecution because he was bringing the truth of God. He was shining the light. And when you and I shine the light of the gospel on darkness, it will either flee or fight. And when it decides to stand and fight, you will be persecuted. Okay? If you're not if you've never if you've never had somebody say anything ugly about you, throw a rock at you, curse you or whatever, then you've never been persecuted. All right. In some parts of the world, they wished that's all they did was throw rocks and yelled at them. In some parts of the world, they killed them. All kinds of things. I heard a story yesterday from a friend of mine that's, that's been in, on the mission field, and, and I'm not even going to repeat it, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm tr- I mean, I'm, I'm, my insides are rolling still. For, I wish I hadn't heard it, okay? But I can't ignore it because it's truth. 
and I need to be aware of it. It's awful what some people will do. What they're will to the extremes they're willing to go to. Listen, if we could be better Christians and better followers of Jesus based on something you and I could do, Jesus died in vain. You need to get that down because that is not in Scripture. If we could have done anything, God would not have sent Jesus. He would have held us to that standard. But we couldn't do it. Nobody can. He's the only one that did it. And therefore, God can forgive us completely. I don't have to suffer to be like Jesus. Not sickness, disease, and infirmity. Jesus is making me like Jesus. And He's not using those things. Listen, that's one of the reasons I don't think... And, and listen, if, if your end-time belief is this... I'm okay with I'm not I'm not calling you out or anything like that. But I don't happen to believe that the church is going to go through any kind of tribulation or purifying because here's the deal. Jesus purified us completely. I don't have to suffer the wrath of God. I don't have to share in the wrath of God because Jesus endured the wrath of God for me. If I understand the end times, God's wrath is going to be poured out on the world that has totally rejected Him and upon Satan. Now, if you disagree, we're still friends. That's just the view I tend to hold. The other views don't make any sense theologically to me. All right? Now, i got to go on. i got to get through. We're not doing this three weeks in a row. We will if the Holy Spirit says to, but He's not saying to. So nothing you and I can do or anything that's done to me or to you by sickness or disease or infirmity gives us more, a better or a, or a, 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 a greater standing with God, right? No. If it does, Jesus died in vain. So don't you see how deceptive that way of thinking and believing is? It devalues what Jesus did on the cross. And anything that devalues Jesus is not theology. It's demonology. All right? It, its source is in Satan. The healing of Jesus also shows us another thing. It shows us what the kingdom of God looks like in operation. That's what Jesus came preaching in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Turn. Stop going the way you're going and go this way. Come back to God. Jesus came to introduce His followers, which are you and I, to their ministry. He came to to show them that it was to be the same as His. The proclamation and the declaration of the gospel of the kingdom. And when Jesus proclaimed it, when He demonstrated, I mean, when He declared it, He also demonstrated it. Okay? He didn't just preach. He had ministry time. Or He had ministry time and then He preached. But that's what He always did because they go together. It's not enough to hear the truth. Jesus said, we got to show them the truth. I'm going to show them what the kingdom looks like. I'm not going to give them a seminar on what the kingdom's like and, and let me tell them what I think. I'm going to show them what happens when the kingdom touches them. 
when it touches their bodies, when it touches their friends, when it touches the people that, that, that are, are, are just the, the, the throwaway people. I'm going to show them what it looks like. That's one of the main reasons God sent the Son. Because we could not envision what the kingdom of God was supposed to look like. They thought what they had in Jerusalem at the temple was as close as it gets. And it wasn't, folks. It was very, very racially motivated. It was sexist. On and on I could go. It was for a, a few and only a few. In fact, only one of them could actually go into the presence of God, and he could only do it once a year. And that was not what God ultimately wanted. He wanted, the ki- he wanted to be their king, and he wanted to w- live among them. I love what it says in the book of Revelation. I will be their God, and they will be my people, and I will be with them. And they won't need the sun and the moon because I'll be there. I'll be intimate and personal with them. And so God sends His Son, and He sends His Son to teach His followers that they are to show evidence of the kingdom of God in operation until He returns. That's why Jesus said, I wonder when I come back, will there be any faith on this earth? We are supposed to demonstrate the kingdom of God, folks. We're supposed to proclaim it. And we're supposed to demonstrate it. We are supposed to give people visible evidence that this is what it looks like when God is among you. When that happens, the reality of heaven breaks into this reality. We're all worried about getting to heaven. Jesus told us to pray and bring heaven to earth. Isn't that what He says? He says, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. If it's done on earth as it is in heaven, heaven visits earth in that moment. Heaven kisses earth in that place, in that person. Now I'm going to close with this. One of the first names that God reveals, He reveals to the nation of Israel. And he reveals it to them as they come out of bondage. As they're, as they're there, I think, between the Egyptian army and the Red Sea. He reveals that, that name. And he says, I am Jehovah Rapha. Not I was, not I will be. I am that I am Jehovah Rapha. Now, we translate it, God is our healer. Literally, God is healer. Now, that's not something God does. That's something God is. I preach. I teach. That's not intrinsically who I am. Okay? I am a human being with feelings and emotions. That's who I am. I'm a husband. I'm a father. Preaching and teaching is what I do. It's not who I am. When God heals, He's not doing something. He's only extending His nature or His attribute into that situation, folks. That's who He is. God's name declares who God is. 
It gives us the essence of who He is, and His essence is healing. If His essence is healing, then healing has to be His will. That's what Jesus shows us by His example. It says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 15, it says, And many followed Jesus, and He healed them all. In Matthew 4, 23, this won't be up on the screen. And Jesus was going about in all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every, every, every kind of disease, every, every, every kind of sickness among the people. That's what Scripture says. There's no yeah buts there. That's just what Scripture says. So what does God think about sickness? What does He think about disease? What does He think about infirmity? Well, we just look at Jesus. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 and 36, it says this. I may have just read that. Maybe I didn't. This is another passage out of Matthew. Matthew says this three or four times. And Jesus was going about all the cities and the villages. He was teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness, and seeing the multitudes, he felt compassion. He suffered with them. That's what he's saying there. And he felt compassion. He felt their suffering inside of him because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. That word is a picture of what happens to a herd of sheep when a wolf goes through it. They're scattered everywhere. Sheep are dumb animals, okay? They, they're not like a lot of other animals who will run for their lives. Sheep just kind of... When, a, when wolves go through sheep, it's not a good thing. And that's when Jesus looked out on us. That's what He saw. They're, they're scattered. They're, they're downcast. They're, they're slain. They're, they're thrown about. They're scattered on the hillsides. And He waited in among them and He began to heal them. He began to touch them. Folks... You can believe whatever you want to believe about God and healing. I'm going to believe what the Bible says. You say, well, Pastor, I'm not seeing it. Man, we prayed for this one, and, and they had to have surgery last week. We prayed for this one, and, and they passed away. Okay, that's our experience. And until my experience equals what the Word of God says, I'm going to hang in there. You say, well, you may be by yourself. I'm going to be by myself, okay? Sometimes following Jesus is lonely. I'm willing to endure that if I need to. You say, well, I wish you'd preach something else. Well, if there were anything else that hadn't been preached to death, I would. This particular thing hasn't been preached to death. Not in my group it hasn't anyway. Now, I'm going to teach what God tells me to teach, but I'm telling you, I'm going after Him with this. I'm going to follow him. I don't know where it's going to lead to. I may be laughed out of town. I may have a lot of d depression and discouragement. But at some point, I'm going to get a breakthrough. Okay? I'm going to trust him. I'm going to let my experience rise to the level of truth instead of bringing truth down to my level of experience. You want to know what God thinks about sickness? Just look at Jesus. Just take a picture of Jesus. If you truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is God the, God the Son, the second person of the Godhead, you cannot 
You cannot disbelieve that God wants to heal you. Because that's all, that's not all he did, but that's a majority of what he did in his ministry. He healed broken people. You know why? Because when you heal somebody, they'll listen to you. He used it as evangelism. See, we want to go out and we want to hammer somebody to death with the gospel and, 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 and don't know why they don't get saved. Sometimes they got needs that they can't hear the gospel. Sometimes they need some food. Sometimes they need some help in their yard. Sometimes they need somebody to take them somewhere. Sometimes they need somebody to pray for them so God could use us as the conduit to set them free from some kind of bondage or sickness so that then He could use our mouths to share the gospel with them. Okay? So, Nelson, you're just mad this morning, aren't you? No, I'm not. I really am not. I'm just tired of the, of the empty, lifeless form of Christianity that most of us have taken hold of i want to i want to see the stuff okay (laughs) i read about this and i want to see this i don't want to have i don't want less than what they got because god died on the cross to give me exactly what they got it hadn't diminished and the need hasn't died folks we live in a in a in a country that is i can't even recognize it I grew up in a different world. When I was a kid, the worst thing that ever been said on the movie screen was, frankly, Scarlet, I don't give a whatever. Look, I'd turn it on now, and everything that can has crawled out. And it speaks, and it says, we are the way you're supposed to behave. And it's nothing like the Scriptures say. So, folks, it's time for us to stand up in the power of God because power and love are the only two things the enemy is afraid of. He's afraid of God's love, and he's afraid of God's power. And God has given us his power and his love, and besides that, he's given us his authority, permission to use his love and his power. And until we take it up, and until we, we begin to, to show that and demonstrate that, I'm not saying we go out there and we hold signs and we protest and we call people names. No, we love them. Love is a weapon that if you use it correctly, people respond. They'll listen to you. And when we love, the Holy Spirit begins to work. And He, 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 he brings... He brings a, a, a knowledge of their sin. He brings conviction, and their hearts are broken. And God saves them. Folks, we need to take our experience to another level. You say, well, I've never been there. Well, I hadn't either, but I'm on my way. You say, what's it look like? I don't know. You say, well, why don't God do this? I don't know. Well, why didn't, why didn't God do that? I don't know. I don't know. I just know this is truth. And I choose to place my I don't knows at the cross to go after what I do know. And I do know that God can do anything. In fact, He doesn't understand. He has no word in His vocabulary called impossible. He is the God of possible. And so I'm going to follow Him, and I'm going to encourage you to follow Him. And listen, we're going to see some people get healed. We're going to see some people come to Jesus. 
We're going to see this place filled up with people that are hungry. Listen, they'll come if a fire's burning, but they're not going to come to, to warm their hands around coals and aren't doing anything, all right? If, if we're white hot, this place will smoke. And if we're not, you know what? Ain't nothing here but cobwebs and spiders, all right? So, Nelson, I thought you was going to be through. I'm through. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.